Colleagues, welcome back to the office and to our podcast and presentation for today. My name is Steve Yoss and welcome back to my office. This is Bringing Artificial Intelligence to Your Organization, Part 2. In this series, we have been discovering and talking about different aspects of how to use AI inside your organization. We started our presentation a couple of weeks ago discussing what is artificial intelligence and how is it going to be used in the world, understanding the different aspects of AI, the major components, things like deep learning, neural networks, machine learning, and more. And in our presentation and discussion for today, we're going to pick up and continue that discussion talking about in today's class where and how AI is going to be used as well as its role with automation. We're going to start our discussion with the discussion of the relationship between AI and automation. Although they're very similar and often used together, they are different topics. And we're going to understand essentially how they can work together and some of the major uh, things that they have in common as well as some of the differentiating factor that you could choose to use. Additionally, we're also going to talk about some of the AI trends to watch in 2022. Um, what are some of the things that we're going to want to be aware of in this year and beyond what AI can do for us, as well as what's the potential impact on the world and understanding how and where these technologies will be utilized. There's this whole idea that AI is going to be taking people's jobs and it's going to have a huge impact on the economy and the world. And the reality is it probably will. Uh, not AI as much as it will be automation. That's why we're going to talk about automation because it's so um, impactful to the world. But I'm going to share with you a report that was put out by PricewaterhouseCoopers a couple years ago talking about the role of automation and what that eventually is going to have on the greater world. The second half of our presentation is going to be about AI functionality and tools that, that are on the market today. We're going to be talking about things like intelligent virtual assistants. Uh, these are the Amazon Alexas, the Google Home devices, the Nest devices, uh, Microsoft Cortana, and more, and some of the things that you can do with these incredible products. Uh, we'll also talk about some additional accounting and finance tools, including things such as the Diligence Platform, MindBridge AI. I'll talk a little bit about CorePay One, which is a AP and uh, management solution for cash flow as well. We'll talk about tools that can assist with your writing using uh, whether it be to help you improve your grammar and punctuation using a tool such as Grammarly uh, or even helping you actually write with a tool which is Jasper AI. I'll also tell you about some of my favorite products inside of AWS, Amazon Web Services, what they do and how they function uh, that you can use to build your own AI functionalities and capabilities inside of your business. All that and more in our podcast for today. Now, before we get going, I do want to remind you, for the financial professionals that are in the room today, you can earn credits for watching or listening to today's podcast. Uh, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on your commute to work on Apple Podcasts or more, you can earn credits by simply taking a quick five-question quiz on what we discussed here today. After watching or listening, head on over to cpetoday.com. Our course code today is WAI2. Again, that is WAI2. You'll find your, your class for today. You'll take a quick quiz, and guess what? You will have a credit, one shiny credit, and well on your way to maintaining your license. With your purchase, you'll also get the ability to download our materials for today, ask questions, uh, and so much more. It's a great way to stay on top of your education. Now, if you're a new listener to the podcast, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for coming. We really appreciate it. Um, how about you get a free credit on us? Any class you'd like, maybe this class or one other one, 
go ahead and use one free podcast at checkout and you can get today's class or any other class if you're choosing uh, completely for free. So without further ado, let's go ahead and dive in to our class for today and start to understand what artificial intelligence and automation can do for your organization. Alrighty, so I want to start our discussion today with automation. And the reason being is that AI is often confused for automation and vice versa. Uh, automation has been around forever. And in fact, you know, you could think of stuff hundreds of years ago uh, where there was automation. You know, things like the Gutenberg printing press, you know, it wasn't somebody actually there sitting there writing. I mean, it was a press of some sort and it could run off multiple copies of a page without somebody physically having to write. Uh, or for example, a player piano, I was just watching something the other night about player pianos and, and it was really interesting. Uh, one of my favorite YouTubers, Mark Rober built this, uh, uh, player piano that can really do some incredible things. But honestly, at the end of the day, it's the same thing as the technology a hundred years ago where it used a reel of paper and, and, uh, to on, uh, to play the tune, uh, automation can exist without AI. And a lot of people don't really kind of understand that automation is just really the performance of some sort of task without the need of human labor. Uh, so there are automated things all over our world that we use constantly. You know, think about, for example, the timer for your lawn's sprinkler system or the alarm system for your house. Um, anything that can be performed without human labor having to do it is considered automation. Now, humans design automation procedures. Uh, often we'll model them off after how we ourselves would actually do the work it's, uh, if we were to do it. Um, and then the computer will perform that task just as if we were doing it. And once initiated, that task will continue to run until intervention is required. So until maybe something like the underlying raw data changes, the circumstances change, maybe if it's your lawn, you know, it rains and the system can detect, for example, hey, there's rain, so don't water the lawn today. Uh, but the point of this is we design the procedures as a human, you know, with our thought, our intelligence, and then the machine will just continuously do that work for us. Um, you know, a really, really simple example, the thermostat in your home, your fridge, where you set a temperature and it will maintain that temperature until intervention is required, you know, until something tells it not to. So if it gets too hot, it'll cool it down and vice versa. And there's complex automations. You know, this stuff is, can be incredibly complex. Um, you know, a couple that come to mind, the traction control system in your car, which are incredibly complex. It's reading data from bunches of different sensors and, and has performs, um, you know, the best possible control to keep the vehicle pointed down the road and, and having traction to the road as possible. Uh, tools such as Power Query. Uh, longtime listeners to the CPE Today podcast will know that Power Query is one of my absolute favorite tools that has been added to Excel and Power BI in recent years. It is an automation tool for extracting data from virtually anywhere uh, on the web or in your databases and more. And you can do some really complex stuff with this. In fact, we're going to be talking about Power Query in the context of automation here um, in our next episode. But incredibly, incredibly sophisticated, but still none of those things that we talked about here, they're not AI. They're their own thing. So Automation makes hardware and software do things automatically without automate, without human intervention. So it's not necessarily thinking or reasoning. It's just doing what we tell it to do and will continue to do what we tell it to do until it stops. 
Artificial intelligence, on the other hand, is really kind of focused on decision-making. Uh, it's focused on giving data to a machine, having that data be understood by that machine, and the, the machine being able to make a decision, okay, without explicit programming. So we're not having to program for that new set of data presented to the machine learning or AI algorithm. It can take that, understand what you're asking it to do in the context of the data that has been presented to it prior, and then we'll do whatever it is supposed to do. So automation can occur with or without artificial intelligence. That AI, for example, can kick off an automation routine based off of whatever the decision it comes to. Um, but not necessarily. It can just give you the output and then the human can do whatever actions required. When you use AI, you're almost always using some method and manner of automation with it. Uh, they complement each other very well and they go hand in hand with each other very well, but they're not necessarily uh, completely dependent on each other. There are plenty of examples where automation exists on its own and there are plenty of examples where artificial intelligence exists on its own. Now, industrial automation is where we see a lot of this, you know, building things, manufacturing facilities, mining, gas, exploration, stuff like this. A lot of that is automated. It's being done with industrial sensors and really basic programming, um, you know, where there's an automation engineer that comes in, they put in like a temperature sensor, a pressure sensor, uh, something like that. And the machine's just responding, but it's a giant loop. It's if then else logic. It's just continuously running through those steps. Okay, and it's responding to the output of whatever those sensors are. Uh, a really simple example of industrial automation, something you probably do every single day of the week, driving and having to come to a stoplight. A stoplight is a series of multiple lights all connected to each other where there's an automation engineer who's figured out like what light needs to be on when and where and will accordingly start or stop traffic to a schedule, or even sometimes they'll have sensors in the in the ground. Uh, I think they're called mag magnetometers. I might be pronouncing that incorrectly, but it's basically a sensor that detects magnetic fields. And when a car drives over it, it trips the sensor, which then tells the light to turn. Uh, but still, no AI built into this. Now, comparing these things with each other, let's look, they've got different goals and objectives, okay? With artificial intelligence, the goal is honestly to make decisions. It makes decisions based off of learning, based off of experience. Uh, with automation, it's like a preset. It's going to self-run and perform uh, tasks. Automation has no decision-making. AI does. Well, what's the purpose of AI? It's to analyze situations and arrive at a particular conclusion. It's focused on accuracy and producing reliable results. Automation, its output is programmed to carry out a particular routine or job. It's there to do one thing and one thing only and to do it really well. Uh, AI cannot be used. I mean, it can and cannot be used for routine tasks, repetitive tasks. Uh, in the context of AI, every job is separate. It does learn from prior jobs and it applies that knowledge to future inputs. Uh, but each task is distinct from each other. Uh, with automation, really what we're talking about here is routine. As anything that's going to be done repeatedly, well, that is a great candidate for automation. AI involves learning and evolving. Automation does not learn and evolve. It just does what you tell it to do every single time. Okay. AI interacts with humans. It learns from experiences, compares situations, and works to adapt to it. Uh, with automation, it can exist in a vacuum. It doesn't have to use humans. Once it's set up, it will continue to run uh, and will continue to operate without really kind of any human involvement and interaction going forward. All right, folks, let's go ahead and have our first review question. 
which of the following differentiates AI from automation? So comparing these two, now that you've heard my spiel about understanding how they're being used, what are some of the major differentiating factors between AI and automation? Okay, AI makes decisions based on learning from past experience and information it receives. Yes, absolutely, totally does that. AI is a system that helps experts analyze situation and arrive at a particular conclusion. Absolutely, it takes data that it has received and learned from prior experiences. It will then apply that to new inputs, ultimately trying to help you get a decision and make a conclusion of some sorts. Okay, so that's correct as well. AI is for non-repetitive tasks. That's a little misleading, but it's true. AI, each individual task is distinct from the other. Uh, so it doesn't always have to do the same exact output every time. It has the ability to have some logic and decision-making in terms of how it operates and what it does. So technically, yes, it's for those non-repetitive tasks. So correct answer here is all of the above. All of the above can be used to... Um, and differentiate between AI and automation. All right, let's go into our next section here where we're going to understand and analyze some of the major AI trends occurring this year and beyond. And this is by no means exhaustive in terms of understanding some of the major trends that are out there, but to try to you know give you some ideas of things that you should be on the lookout for. Now, longtime listeners will know I'm a big fan of tech trends, mostly just so you have an understanding of when and how the market is moving. Not every single trend is going to apply to your organization and business, but it is so very, very, very important to at least understand the general direction of where things are going so that you can at least make that acknowledgement and decide to either embrace that trend or at least knowingly avoid that particular trend. Okay. Now there's a company called Gardner. Uh, Gardner is a research company based out of the Northeast. They're one of the best in the business that does uh, real true research uh, on pretty much every topic, every industry you could think of. And you can hire them to do reports and surveys and, you know, really kind of get really good, meaningful, actionable insight for your particular business, your product line or organization or industry. And some of the bigger uh, industries, they will publish reports that you can just read. And one of the reports that they publish are these hype cycles. And a hype cycle is a standard um, report for a particular industry or technology type that helps you understand where major aspects of that specific industry or technology type are in their life cycle. Um, you know, and the hype cycle has five distinct sections. There's what we refer to as the innovation trigger, which is somebody coming up to the idea. Uh, and then we could track it from that point all the way out to whether or not that technology survives. And so from the innovation trigger, we have our peak of inflated expectations, which is what everybody's talking about. It's the topic du jour. You can't turn on the TV or watch the news or read an article without people talking about that one tech. Uh, people generally stop talking about it for a little bit and then maybe gets talked about again. But ultimately, the good tech ends up what we refer to as the plateau productivity. And although that, that sounds, uh, you know, bad, the plateau productivity means that it's being integrated and adapted into regular life. That's ultimately where these products want to go. And so they track some of the major tech that is coming out so that we can get a sense of um, where and how. Uh, these different technologies are in their life cycle. Okay, zoom it in here so you can see this a little bit better. Okay, we have our uh, 
uh, our x-axis is time, our y-axis is expectations, so we can get a sense of where some of these major tech pieces are. So looking at some of the stuff right now, uh, and then also these little symbols represent you know, how long that particular tech is going to take to come to fruition before it reaches plateau. Uh, so we could see here you know, some of the stuff that's kind of in its infancy general AI, which should be no shock. We talked about that in our first episode here, that general AI is a long-term technology, just really under a lot of research at the moment, but with no practical implications. Uh, But if we kind of go up here, we can see some other stuff that's coming up in the next couple of years, stuff like multi-experience, automation platform, AI orchestration, responsible AI, some of the stuff here right up at the top, smart robots, deep neural networks, AI cloud services, deep learning. And we can see these things are starting to make their way, you know, really into that plateau of productivity with machine learning probably being the best example. You know, we're not talking about it nearly as much, mostly just because it's integrated into so many things that we're actually using. Uh, some stuff over here, you know, that's in the trough of disillusionment chatbots. We're not talking about that that much. Same with computer vision, autonomous vehicles. But we could see they're making their way out. Using autonomous vehicles as an example here, you know, companies like Tesla and others, uh, even your big auto manufacturers, Mercedes-Benz, Ford, Chevy, I mean, they're all working towards autonomous vehicles. It's not really a question of if, it's really a question of when. Uh, So if you're interested in kind of keeping up and understanding where some of these major, um, let's just say, topics are in their life cycle, definitely check out this report. Here's a link to the most recent one. Uh, This comes out in the summer, roughly. So uh, this one's from July of 2021. I expect, you know, later this year in July, we'll see it for the coming year here. But you can read the most recent report, which is pretty good. Now, looking at this, there are a couple of things that we can do with AI right now. There are some practical examples of how AI is being used inside your organization. And they kind of break down into three main categories. And as we talk about some of the major ways AI tools can be used today, I want you to kind of think about these three buckets as we're going through them. Okay. You can use AI for process automation. Okay. Process automation is automating things inside your office, you know, back office, routine tasks, sending proposals, getting contracts signed, um, you know, payroll and automation of payables and things of this nature, workflow tools, a lot of really important, but honestly, low value tasks can be done with these AI and automation back office tools. So you could automate, I can tell you for my business, Devmatics, uh, we have, I'm going to say somewhere in the neighborhood of probably about 60 different processes inside of our company. Uh, and I, whenever possible, try to focus on automating them because it could save a tremendous amount of time. Uh, so I would tell you, start thinking about the different processes that you're doing at any given time and then figure out how to make them more automatable. You know, for example, uh, transferring data from email into your systems, uh, replacing uh, customer information. Maybe, you know, you're in a financial institution and something like, hey, I need to reset a password or I need to request a new credit card. You know, create systems that can handle that automatically for your staff. Okay, we could do cognitive insight. Okay, looking at data and interpreting its meaning. Okay, and there's lots of examples of where this is being used today. Okay, uh, if you've ever, for example, shopped online and they have you know recommended products to you, you're on Amazon and it'll say 
customers like you have also bought X, Y, and Z. Well, guess what? That is cognitive insight. We're looking at what the data of the customer is, what they're buying, what they're purchasing, and we're figuring out ways that we can get them to buy more stuff. Okay. Um, we can also, for example, identify things like uh, fraud in real time with credit cards and checks and other things of this nature. Uh, we could, for example, analyze warranty data and submissions in our QAQC, quality assurance and quality control pipelines to determine if there's safety defects that could potentially hurt people. Uh, car companies and consumer electronics do this all the time to figure out what needs to be recalled. Okay. We could use this to uh, more target advertising and marketing efforts to our clients and more. No shortage of ways that we can take data, learn about our customers and provide a better experience and a more targeted experience based off of their unique traits and habits. And we can also do things like cognitive engagement, okay, working with our customers and staff. Uh, and in fact, we all probably at some point in time have engaged with some sort of bot, some sort of uh, tool that will uh, essentially help us get the information that we're looking for from a company. Um, you know, I, I'm guessing all of us at some point have called, you know, a, a bigger business and we've talked to an IVR, an, an intelligent voice response system. And it'll say, what can I do to help you? And you say, I want, uh, for me anyways, I always say representative, but, you know, hey, I need to buy something. I need to request a refund. I need to talk to the billing department and then they'll route your call effectively. Well, guess what? That, that is cognitive engagement. Um, it could either be a voice response system. It could be a bot. It could be an email. Uh, it could be whatever, you know, and these systems will work with your customers, your staff to provide a better experience overall. So this kind of leads to a bigger question, and this is as close to philosophy as we're going to get here on the CPE Today podcast, but uh, let's just talk for a minute about AI and automation and the effect it's going to have on the world. Uh, there's a really cool report that was put together by PricewaterhouseCoopers out of their London office, and it was titled, Will Robots Really Steal Our Jobs? And the intention of this report was really to discuss some of the bigger question things that AI and automation will have on the greater world. Um, you know, we are in, some would say the third, maybe the fourth industrial revolution. Uh, and every time we've gone through this, there's been a huge change in the way, the manner, in the style of which people work. I mean, pre-industrial revolutions, I mean, it was typically agrarian. We had, uh, you know, people uh, that dedicated their, their lives to a sole task. If you were a miner, you were a miner. If you were a farmer, you just plowed the fields. If you were a cobbler, you just made shoes, so on and so forth. But then we've had these industrial revolutions, you know, the first one being the steam industrial revolution, you know, that brought like things like, you know, trains, for example, and the ability to travel quickly. And then our second industrial revolution brought electricity and the idea of engines and motors. Uh, some would say the third industrial revolution was the transistor and the ability to have integrated circuits and computers. Uh, some say we're still in that third industrial revolution. I think we're in a fourth, that fourth industrial revolution being the internet and now AI and basically living in a connected world. I mean, Things like globalization have a, have had a massive, gigantic, world-changing um, effect on everything. I mean, you just go to your local supermarket. I mean, none of that food is grown 
really anywhere near your home. You could be buying uh, animal proteins from five states over. Your strawberries might be coming from Mexico. Your avocados might be coming from Ecuador. Your pineapple might be coming from Thai, you know, somewhere in Asia, Thailand, Taipei, maybe something like that. Um, the point of this is, is I mean, we live in a globally connected world now where it's, it's inevitable. I mean, it, it's just going to continue to march down there. And it just really just depends on the timeline that we're talking about. Uh, and some of these changes, like we've seen with the industrial revolutions, they're beyond the scope of a single lifetime. Uh, but some of these things are going to happen really quickly. Now, saying all that, what this report does is it really talks about automation and it talks about AI in the context of today's world. And I, I will give you some brief summary statistics here and some of the findings from this report. And then we're going to talk about the three major waves that this, uh, this next industrial revolution that uh, either we're in or we're about to be in is going to have on the world. Now, what the report actually comes up with, and I thought this was really uh, interesting, is that AI in and of itself is not something that's really going to steal jobs, okay? But automation, that is, okay? So AI is a, as we talked about at the beginning stages, this is complementary, it's not required. Automation, I mean, really, we've been using automation forever, you know? Going back all the way again to that first industrial revolution, moving away from horse and buggy to trains and then to cars and trucks and then to planes and ships and more. All of those are examples of just technology and its its constant path forward. And automation is going to be game changing for everything. Um, something I like to say about automation with respect to human capital, it doesn't matter what that automation will cost for a company to implement. Okay doesn't matter. It could be a million dollars. It will always be cheaper than human labor in the long run. Okay. If you don't have a going concern, if you expect to be in business for, for, for the foreseeable future, automation always makes sense. And it's always going to be in the company's best interest because it works 24 hours a day, 365. It doesn't require any uh, health care. It doesn't take any time off. It will continue to run once it's set in motion. Okay, so for a lot of businesses investing in automation and finding ways of actively removing tasks from staff and giving those tasks to automation procedures, bots, robots, machines, systems, it's in their interest. Okay, another report finding AI could contribute up to 14% of global GDP by 2030. That means like AI tools and AI contributing to how those uh, goods and services are created. Uh, automation is going to affect lower value and lower education jobs first, but higher value and higher education jobs are just as much as risk, but in a longer period of time. Uh, you know, for example, uh, things like transportation and manufacturing, uh, those are very, very kind of at risk industries because they're actively being researched and actively being worked on to find ways to have machines do that work. Uh, you know, something like transportation, I think there's 4 million truck drivers in the United States and a vast majority of our freight is moved by truck. Well, if you could find a way for a self-driving car to be able to as safely as a human operator move cargo from point A to point B, you've just displaced three to 4 million people, you know, likewise with manufacturing an assembly line, which was, you know, really kind of first put together during the Henry Ford era, um, over a hundred years ago, I mean, it's continuously moved up, but uh, it continuously advanced, you know, and the more and more that we can automate those manufacturing jobs, 
the cheaper the product that they produce will become, the better quality that particular device or service will become, and it'll be uh, quicker to market for whatever they choose to do. Now, the safest jobs, and this is even beyond the scope of like today, education and healthcare, which I find really kind of interesting uh, and kind of shocking that those are the two safest industries, but it kind of makes sense. Uh, Computers really don't teach people. Uh, although they could certainly be a great augmentation to teaching, but they're not intended to teach people. And likewise with healthcare, um, you know, you're still going to have an actual physical person, a doctor, a nurse to take care of you. And, you know, machines will help those people. They will certainly have a place in that particular profession, but they're not going to replace the people actually doing the work, at least not yet. Now, this report breaks down three waves that automation and AI are going to affect the world. Okay. The first is the algorithm wave. The second is going to be the augmentation and the third will be the autonomy. We're going to look at each of these here for a moment, but in the algorithm wave, which is what we're in currently computational jobs are most likely to replace my machines. Okay. In the augmentation, this is really going to focus on, uh, for repetitive tasks where we can have machines do those repetitive tasks. We're starting to see some physical labor jobs, not just thinking jobs be affected. And finally, we're going to see the autonomy wave where really we see robotics step into the limelight and automate routine tasks that would traditionally be done through physical labor and manual dexterity by a human being. Let's look at each of these waves. So our first wave, we're in it currently. Uh, It started probably about 2018, and it's going to continue through the early 2020s here. And this is around, let's call it low-value tasks, and making these low-value tasks be done by some sort of bot computer system or something else like that. And it's about automation of simple computational tasks, uh, doing structured data analysis. Um, It's primarily, believe it or not, going to affect financial professionals. A lot of financial services are going to be automated. You know, things like, for example, approval of credit cards and having somebody evaluate credit risk and pull credit uh, reports, all of that can be done by computers. Okay. And a lot of it's being done currently. So computational jobs are more likely to be replaced at this time by machine learning software. And we see this a lot with tax preparation, financial analysis, and more. So industries that are going to be most impacted here, data-driven sectors, finance, insurance, information organizations, communication, professional, scientific, and technical services. Not in their entirety, but really what we're focusing on are the low-value deliverables and tasks within each of these industries. So I would tell you, if you're a financial professional, you need to be going up the value chain here. You need to get away from the the monotonous and regular work like monthly bookkeeping or payroll tax preparation because you know what? Services like QuickBooks for bookkeeping or Gusto for payroll or JustWorks as a PEO payroll organization and more, I mean, they're going to automate that away. And it doesn't really matter what they cost. They'll still be less expensive than your services. And typically, people are going to be dollar driven in this particular phase. Our next phase, our next wave, okay, is the augmentation. This is going to happen towards the end of this next decade. And what this is really going to focus on is making uh, clerical support, back office, decision-making tasks, 
relatively automated and semi-controlled environments, um, you know, where it's essentially the bot is going to be doing a lot more decision making based off of the rules that human beings set. Additionally, we're also going to start to see more automation in physical places. You know, uh, Boston Dynamics, one of the coolest companies out there that makes the Atlas robot and others. You know, we're going to start seeing a lot more of their robots being used in warehouses, moving packages and loading trucks and unloading things and more. Again, they work 365, uh, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. This is really going to focus on repetitive tasks uh, that where machines will automate them and it will free up humans to take uh, more higher value tasks there. The financial and insurance sectors are continue to be impacted by this, along with other sectors requiring back office, clerical support. We're going to see, for example, public administration and uh, utility companies, manufacturing organizations, transportation and more being affected. Our third wave here is going to start in the mid 2030s. And really, this is where we're going to start to see robotics come into the limelight. And it's really focused on automation of human labor, stuff that's going to involve dexterity, problem solving, dynamic real world conditions and situations that are going to require responsive actions. Uh, these are going to be the places that are going to be mostly impacted here. So this is where we're going to start to see industries like construction, uh, utility companies, even more, but like the line of business side of the utility companies, water, sewage, uh, waste treatment and more, uh, transportation, storage, manufacturing, even more are going to be affected by autonomous vehicles, robots, bots, and more. So it's not just going to be the office workers. It's going to be the people swinging a hammer, uh, driving a truck, moving boxes, and more. Now, where are financial professionals most at risk? I think it's really wave one and wave two, kind of a mix of the both. I think the lower value stuff is going to occur at wave one, which we're seeing already uh, using, again, QuickBooks as an example here with bank rules and automation for workflow and approval processes. That's stuff humans used to do. I mean, now the software is just going to do it. And the more higher value, the decision making, the reasoning, that's going to occur at wave two. Okay. And if we look at here on this little chart that we've got listed and on one graph, we have percentage of jobs at risk. And then the other side of the graph, the X axis is time. We could see that it starts for us as financial professionals in wave one. And then we kind of plateau, I mean, at around wave two, and then it's just kind of not going to continue to affect us as much. Uh, if we look other industries like health, for example, they're not nearly as affected, but, um, low, value, relatively low value, things like transportation, manufacturing, low education, uh, low skill. And I mean, I know there's a lot of skill that's involved in driving a truck, but relative compared to like a doctor or, you know, a, a financial professional, we could see that there really is no upper limit and it will continue to be affected until there's nothing left. Now, another really kind of cool chart here, again, one um, metric here, the y-axis is time, and then the x-axis here is potential of jobs at risk. Uh, we could see here for education when people are going to be affected. Now, wave one, uh, relatively little impact across all uh, education levels. Wave two, we start to see medium and high um, 
start to be affected here. But really in wave three, that's where we start to see the big impact to low education-based jobs. And what I would tell you, and I think this is uh, a really good quote from this, uh, from this report. I just want to share it with you. In the long run, less well-educated workers could be particularly exposed to automation, emphasizing the importance of increased investment in lifelong learning. Okay, And I love that because I consider myself a lifelong learner, constantly learning new things and trying to acquire new skills. Uh, Honestly, folks, one of the big reasons I left public accounting is that I felt by the end of my career, a majority of that profession will be automated. And I didn't want to make myself redundant. You know, so I went back to school. I got a master's degree in computer science and, and information systems and really threw myself in this because I'd rather be leading from the front and then dealing with the repercussions from behind. All right, last chart for you. Uh, This kind of breaks down when and where each different wave will be affecting different types of workers and how big of that particular effect it will occur. Uh, So we can see here the biggest, again, are going to be around transportation, manufacturing, construction, administrative services, warehouse sale and retail trades, public administration. And we can see across the board, they're all affected in different times and in different ways. Uh, your safest stuff down here going to be in the service industries, food, uh, you know, being a waiter, a cook, a chef, or in uh, social work, in health services, education. Uh, these are going to be your safest jobs. So hopefully this gives you a little bit of insight in making some decisions about your career in the coming years. All right, folks, let's go ahead and have another review question. So. Which wave of AI has the highest likelihood to affect accountants and financial professionals? So what do you think is going to have the highest impact with respect to uh, us, financial professionals, and the day-to-day work that we are doing? Well, so is it going to be the algorithmic wave? So the algorithm wave, to remind you here, really what this is focused on is focused on computational jobs, where uh, we're going to see machine learning and AI tools start to be coming in and doing that back office work. Is it the augmentation phase where we're seeing repetitive work being automated and and improved? Uh, Or is it the autonomy where we're seeing a lot of impact of AI and robotics? Well, in my mind, I think it's the top two here, the algorithm and the augmentation wave. I think that's really where we're going to see most of the change occur. And if we come back to our chart here, And let's just uh, clear our our slides. Uh, We can see over here for financial and insurance, we could see that we're really affected most in that algorithm phase and then really hit in that augmentation. So I think think it's going to be a mix of both uh, coming here in the next couple of years. So you can either be on the front of this and you can lead from the front. You can uh, prepare yourself. Uh, or you can just let it happen. And my risk and concern for the profession is, is that uh, we're never moving backwards. You know, we're not Luddites. Time keeps moving forward. So I would, I would encourage you to as much as you possibly can embrace technology and learn how to harness this and turn it into an opportunity for yourself. Alrighty, let's go ahead and take a look at our next section which is going to be AI functionality built into business tools and what those different business tools might be, okay? Now, in this section, what we're really going to be focusing on is understanding 
where AI can be found and utilized today and as well as automation. What type of things can I use AI for today? Now, in our next episode of the CPE Today podcast, we're going to focus specifically on Microsoft tools uh, and understanding where AI can be built in to tools and services like Microsoft Excel, uh, using tools like Power Query and FlashFill and more. Uh, we'll also talk about Power BI and some of the automation and AI tools built into that, You know, including some of the visualizations, as well as Power Automate, which is Microsoft's automation tool. It's uh, an iPaaS tool, integration platform as a service. So I'm going to save those because they warrant their whole episode just on that. And we're going to talk about everything else, you know, some of the big categories of products and services that you might want to consider. Okay. So the first category that I want to talk about here are going to be IVAs or intelligent virtual assistants. And what these are, these are software agents that can perform a task or service based off of commands or questions. Okay. So I guarantee you all probably have something you might have, for example, a, uh, Apple iPhone or a Google, uh, Android device. Uh, maybe you, for example, have a smart speaker. This is a Amazon echo mini. I think it's called a mini dot or a dot, something like that. But what you can do with these things are pretty incredible. You can ask it questions. You can ask it, what's the weather in Paris? What's the time in Chicago? What is the, uh, you know, sports uh, score for last night's game? Uh, what is the drive time for, from my house to the airport? And more. And so with these tools, it's employing a lot of different aspects of artificial intelligence, uh, including um, machine learning, you know, learning from the responses and whether or not it gave the correct response, natural language processing, the ability to talk to a computer using natural language, um, and more. I, I mean, these tools really do feel magical in some way. Uh, but I will point out they're all actually just narrow focused AI. They're all focused on one thing and one thing only, which is ask a question, get a response or do things for you. Now, besides just a parlor trick of asking it how the weather is or what's the sunset uh, in uh, Nairobi, you know, on Thursday or something like that. What's also really cool about these things is they can interact with other things. And so they have a huge internet of things or IOT aspect to them. Uh, so you could, for example, ask your Alexa device to adjust the thermostat at your house or to turn on the lights, turn off the lights or to do other things for you. And again, it feels really magical, uh, to do it in my home. Uh, we have these Amazon Alexas all over. Uh, and when I go to bed at night, I'd say, Alexa, turn off the lights. It turns off the lights in the bedroom. I don't have to get up and walk over and do that. It, it, I've essentially automated my nightly routine. Um, likewise, turning on and off and on the lights throughout the house, we can do the same thing and the thermostat, just as a simple example. Uh, and I have other business capabilities built into these products uh, that I use on a regular basis as well. I've even built my own apps using them. Uh, so IVAs can be either a dedicated piece of hardware like the Amazon Echo Dot here. They can also be built into something, uh, for example, like Siri on the iPhone. Uh, it could also be Microsoft Cortana, uh, which is in your Windows device. Siri is also available, I'll point out, on the Mac devices uh, in the operating system. Lots of different choices to consider here. Here are some of the big ones on the market today. Uh, your real big hitters here are going to be your Amazon devices, your Google devices, and your Apple devices. Uh, Amazon Alexa is probably my preference out of the bunch. Uh, it was, in a lot of ways, the first to market. I don't think they were technically the first, but definitely the first 
like big one that everybody had. Uh, and then you also have the Google devices as well with, uh, they used to be called Google home. Now they're called Google nest devices. Uh, and then Apple is the, probably the third to the market with their home pod. Uh, they're all great. As I mentioned, I think I like Alexa the best. Uh, I've tried them all. I think overall, I think Alexa has the best capabilities and probably one of the better experiences. Uh, I will tell you, you can't really mix and match these. You pick one and you kind of stick with it. Now, I will point out that there are third-party tools too, like the Sonos speakers as well as Bose has a brand. And you could either choose to use Alexa or Google in either one of those solutions. So if you want to get a different brand of speaker, uh, you're not locked into just getting an Amazon, Google, or Apple device. Okay, so on the accounting and finance world, we do also have some pretty cool options too. Now, AI and automation is being built into a wide, 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 wide range of accounting products. Some that are specifically focused on the profession. Others are focused on the general population and being used in all types of organizations. Let's pick one of those broad ones, which is QuickBooks, QBO. Uh, and I'm specifically referring to their online product. I'm not referring to desktop or enterprise, but rather QBO, the QuickBooks online solution. And Intuit has built in lots and lots and lots of automation techniques, procedures, and functionalities into their tool to make bookkeeping simpler, easier, and faster, and more straightforward for its clientele. Couple of really simple examples that you'll find in QBO. Bank feeds. Uh, one of my absolute favorite features and a must have of any accounting solution is the ability to get information directly from the bank. And with QuickBooks, as well as Xero and Zoho Finance and others, you plug in your uh, bank credentials. They authenticate with the bank securely and then will perpetually download financial transactions directly into your books and records. What's beautiful about that? You don't have to do a lot of the ledger uh, bookkeeping yourself. You're not inputting data. It's just happening for you. It's just downloading that information perpetually. You can do a real-time reconciliation with it. And when the data comes in, it can recognize certain charges, like Arco should go to gas and fuel. Um, Panera should go to meals and entertainment. It can remember what you've done and then automatically categorize those transactions correctly going forward. And you can set up what we call bank rules to do that. And for myself, you know, I probably have close to, I don't know, over a hundred, I'm going to say bank rules. So, cause I do the same things over and over again. I go to the same gas stations. I book my flights on Delta. I stay at Hilton properties. So why would I have to constantly tell it this goes to gas, this goes to travel, this goes to meals and entertainment. I just set up the, what I want it to do. And it will do those going forward. Then if there's something weird, it'll tell me about it and I'll fix it. Another example inside of most of these solutions is uh, the ability to save report customizations. In QuickBooks, they call it memorizing transactions or memorizing an invoice. Uh, and you could save that specific customization and then easily recall it in the future so you don't have to build out your report every single time. It'll just do it perpetually for you. Now, QuickBooks also has this tool called Smarter. You can check it out by going to smarter.quickbooks.com. They've got three aspects of this, smart money, smart decisions, smart connectors, and it is all about leveraging AI in their tools. And they go through at a very good level, helping you understand how AI can be built inside of their products. 
Now, another tool that's on the market now is the Diligence platform. This is a relatively new offering, and it's intended for financial professionals. So it's not really a client-level tool. It's a firm and public accounting-level tool. And this is a comprehensive, integrated solution to manage your practice at a deep level, leveraging different aspects of AI. Uh, they've got some core automations inside of here for managing things like your workflow, scanning and sharing documents and recognizing information on documents, automation of manual data entry into your solutions, uh, as well as management of the authentication, the authorization, the custody, uh, moving information from you know, different solutions for you automatically. Uh, they've got what they call their diligence bots that are trained to interact with the different project management work solutions that you have to keep updates and statuses correct and reliable throughout the actual application itself. And it works with a variety of different existing solutions like CCH's products, XCM, and others. And it's got solutions and functionality for management of documents, you know, for example, uploading and management of documents into different systems, uh, really kind of focusing on eliminating Steve, you know, or the practitioners, your manual efforts of kind of having to manage the aspects of your firm, all the stuff that you would normally do. Uh, it will do for you, even including things around communication, where it can update different people like inside the organization, the clients in real time, sending emails, texts, portals, and more. But if your company and your firm that is trying to kind of get a better handle on your workflow, this is definitely going to be something that you're going to want to consider. Now, for our auditors or people who work in assurance in the organization, a tool you got to check out that leverages AI very effectively is MindBridge AI. And with MindBridge, what this allows you to do is to be able to analyze 100% of transactions uh, in the context of your audit. Okay. You know, normally instead of an audit, we have this idea of materiality and then we want to audit things that are going to have a material impact. And we don't do a lot of stuff. Well, with MindBridge, you plug it into your client's accounting solutions, it's going to analyze 100% of those transactions, and it's really efficient at spotting risks and making decisions about anomalies. It will then present relevant information to the auditor so they can understand what the heck is going on there, and they could design a more effective audit so that we can ultimately produce a better audit report and getting a better sense of accountability of that organization. And it will give you insight into risky transactions, anomalies inside the accounting solution, really allowing you to focus your effort where it matters the most. Instead of just checking boxes and moving on, you know, you're actually doing the work that could have the biggest impact to the organization and have a material impact on the financial statements. So, and I will point out, I mean, this solution, I, I don't actually know what it costs. It's one of those things you got to request pricing on it, but it's still probably going to be cheaper than having an army of auditors audit your books and records. You can use this tool uh, at a very material level inside the organization. And I mean, it's essentially just going to eliminate the need for a lot of extra staff. Um, it will do, let's say the first round of this, then you bring in your team to really kind of focus on, again, understanding where those anomalies come from and when transactions don't meet a certain pattern. Now, leaving the, let's say the professional space a little bit here, talking more broadly about 
businesses in general, something we all have to do is we have to manage cash, we have to pay our bills, and we have to pay and reimburse people for work and for um, stuff inside of our businesses. And one of the tools that I think does a really, 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 really good job with respect to management of uh, accounts payable and reconciliation of business expenses inside your organizations is Core Pay One. This is a product I'm actually using in my business as well. Uh, we've done podcasts specific on this tool, and it's really cool. And I definitely think it's worth your time to consider utilizing this inside your business. And what CorePay is, is a collection of features that can really help your organization. Uh, first and foremost, they have their CorePay MasterCard, which is a credit card that you can use. Uh, no fees. They even give you cash back on your purchases. So that if you have to buy things for your business, which frankly we all do, this is a purchase card that you can use and it just makes life simple and easy. It will automatically create invoices, all the necessary documentation that you're going to need to have for your internal record keeping. And to me, it's a no-brainer. That's the credit card we use inside of our business. You can choose to use that or not, okay? If you choose not to use their credit card, they've got uh, four, five other features here that are killer on their own right. They have a comprehensive approval workflow process where people can submit bills. They can go through and be reviewed by members of the staff, and then they can sign off on those bills and request that they get paid. Uh, there's a whole reimbursements tool. So if you need to pay back staff for expenses they incurred directly, you can do so and then deposit it directly into their bank account. You can use this to pay your company's bills, you know, so you can upload invoices to this and then again, run through a whole approvals process, then ultimately pay. And they will actually send the payment either through ACH or a physical check for free. Uh, and you can deposit that money into that vendor account. Uh, you can even pay for stuff by credit card with this without actually paying by credit card, which is pretty nifty. But in my opinion, they've, they've got a whole suite of automation tools to manage the AP side of your business that really just kind of make it a no brainer. So um, if you're going to do this for bill payment, which is probably one of their best features, their bill payment and automation. Uh, they've got a mobile app, for example, where you can scan a uh, bill or either with your phone or with your mobile app, receipts for that matter. It'll automatically put them in Core Pay One. They've got excellent OCR technology, optical character recognition that will read the details of that receipt or invoice and will pull that level of detail out. It'll even sync that level of detail directly to your accounting system. So you, it will bring that information directly into your GL for you. Then it's got workflow to manage all the control and approval process for you. They've got this really cool workflow builder where you can design how things need to be approved and how data is going to move through your organization and more. Okay. Uh, they've got all the payment tools. You can pay by credit card. You can pay by check. You can pay through ACH. And again, it's going to sync everything directly to your accounting system. Uh, it supports both QuickBooks and Xero. There's a few other solutions it recommends and works with too, uh, but really, really, really nifty solution. All right. Out of the accounting space, I got two writing tools that I think are just really, really, really useful for you to know about. Uh, and the first is going to be Grammarly. And what Grammarly is, is a AI and automation tool for writing. Uh, for myself, I write every single day. I'm writing books, I'm writing presentations, I'm writing emails, I'm writing proposals, I'm writing contracts. And 
I'm a pretty good writer, uh, but I, there are still stupid grammatical issues that I make and spelling issues or context issues or not writing as effectively as I possibly can. And what Grammarly does is that it corrects for over 250 different types of mistakes. Uh, so everything from contextual spelling there and there um, and others where it will figure out, hey, you meant this other word and fix it for you. It can also correct for punctuation. Com I, I have a hard time with commas sometimes. It'll get those commas right, semicolons and more. Uh, and ultimately trying to help you make mistake-free email, uh, mistake-free proposals. Uh, they've got plugins for Microsoft Word, PowerPoint, Excel, and more. Uh, they offer a free as well as paid version. And I'm telling you, the free version's outstanding. It does like 30 things. The paid version, which I only upgraded to recently, does the whole kit and caboodle. The paid version, I think at the time of this recording, is about 150 bucks per year. Well worth it. And, I mean, you will you will be such a more effective writer uh, and getting your point across using this tool than you ever will be on your own. Now, another tool that you could use to uh, help with your writing, especially on the um, creative side, and like, again, I use this a lot for blog writing, posting, and other stuff, is this tool called Jasper AI. Uh, and Jasper AI is an AI tool that can help you write original creative content. Uh, that can help you write proposals and documents, blog posts, and more. Uh, and you could write as much as you need to. And I use this tool, again, because I'm writing so much. Uh, this really kind of helps me get word, words on the page. So I use it for lots of different projects now. But if you're somebody who struggles with writer's block and you need something essentially like a co-pilot to help you get from point A to point B, I think you really, really like this tool. And it's particularly great for marketing copy, for building things for your website and more uh, like that. Uh, and everything it comes up with is original. Uh, it's got billions and billions of pages of context of documents and what other people have written. And you give it some intent of what you're doing, like, hey, I'm looking to write about AI in the world today. And it will help you, giving you prompts and helping you complete your vision and thoughts. Another really cool tool is this tool called Wolfram Alpha. This is a computational knowledge and answer engine. Uh, it's not a search engine. Google will, you type in an answer like, you know, what's the best pizza? And it's going to show you uh, a bunch of pizza places around you. You know, with Wolfram Alpha, you can ask it a question. It's going to attempt to answer it like it were a person. So rather than giving you a list of results for you to go do your own research, it's going to try to answer it based off of qualified factual data. Um, you can use this to do analysis for stocks. Uh, you can analyze businesses. You can look up people. You can ask it math questions, finance questions, insurance questions, and more. Uh, it's really incredible and it leverages AI at a very, very, very deep level. You can check it out by going to wolframalpha.com. Now, what I want to finish with here is Amazon Web Services. Uh, Longtime listeners know that I'm I'm totally an AWS uh, fanboy in a lot of respects. We leverage AWS in our business at a very, very deep level, as well as for our clients for very good reason. They offer the best cloud tech, in my opinion, at the best rates, best features and functions. And they're always on the bleeding edge with what you can do. AWS has over 20 different 
uh, AI machine learning tools. And rather than you kind of having to build your own models and having to do all the math and, and the work to leverage this, you know, for pennies on the dollar, you can leverage a variety of their different products here to build your own AI capabilities inside your business. And instead of having to reinvent the wheel, you can just rent their wheel by the hour. They've got tools for everything. Uh, they've got tools like their recognition project, which is intelligent analysis of images. They've got their comprehend product, which will do machine learning, pulling out out of big text, the most important stuff for you to know and are customers happy based off of what they're writing on your reviews, uh, you know, helping you understand documents that might be really dense and getting those key points across. They've got their fraud prevention tool, which can analyze transactions inside your, your solution to point out potentially fraudulent transactions or activities with anomalies that don't match patterns. They've got their personalized tool, which can create unique experiences for your customers, giving really good recommendations in real time. Okay. So really incredible products from AWS. And when my customers and clients ask us to build our products like this, often we're leveraging those AWS tools because they're very effective at what they do. All right, folks, that does bring us to the end of our presentation. Let's have one final review question, then we'll wrap up for the day. Which of the following would not be considered an IVA? Would it be the Google Nest devices? Nope, definitely an IVA. The Alexa devices, also an IVA. The Apple HomePod, definitely an IVA. Wolfram Alpha, although quite magical, is not a intelligent voice assistant. It is a computational knowledge engine. So what did we learn today? Well, today we talked about the differences between AI and automation and how they're interdependent and um, similar to each other. It can work often well with each other, but they are different things. Uh, with automation focusing on continuing or routine and AI really kind of focusing on decision-making. We talked about AI on the world and the impact it could potentially have, especially in the job market and the need to continuously invest in ourselves and our education to provide higher value tasks. And we talked about what type of AI tools are available today and what we could be using inside of our businesses. In our next episode, we're going to talk about AI in the Microsoft ecosystem of products. And we're going to go hands-on in Excel, Power, uh, Excel, Power BI, and Power Automate, showing you how we can leverage uh, these automation and AI capabilities of these applications. So stay tuned. Stick around. Next episode is coming up shortly. Now, before we go, I do want to remind you that you can earn credits for watching or listening. Uh, if you want to support the channel and you are a financial professional, guess what? You can get your credits through us. Head on over to cpetoday.com and use course code WAI2. Again, that is WAI2. And you'll take a short five-question quiz and earn a credit for watching or listening. And again, if you are a new watcher or listener, thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. Why don't you get a free course on us? Use coupon code one free podcast to check out to get a podcast course of your choosing. If you enjoyed our content, please consider linking and hooking up with us on social media. You can find us just about everywhere as CPE today on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and more. And if you think you uh, we deserved it today and you'd like to support us, please consider subscribing. It really does help the channel and helps people find our content. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, and others. Uh, really would help us. And as always, please consider leaving us a comment if there's anything particularly you have questions on or courses you'd like to see us um, produce and talk about in, in the future. 
Always a pleasure having you in the office. Thank you so much for your time and attention today. And I look forward to seeing you the next time around. Thank you and good luck.